Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that harkens back to the days of TV shows like Make Room for Daddy, Wait Till Your Father Gets Home, and Father Knows Best. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I'm your host, Brian Levine, uh, coming to you way pre-recorded because of some travel stuff that I've got going on. Uh, So this is almost a week in advance. So with that being said, on this week's show in Pipe Parts, I'm going to catch up on the mailbag. And we got a big mailbag, a couple of really interesting questions in there. Uh, So that'll be in pipe parts, and then again, we'll have more mailbag in the mailbag segment. My guest this week is Michael DiCuccio, the uh, president and founder of TinBids.com. And uh, we don't just talk TinBids, we actually get to hear about Michael, who's got a pipe collection that's over 1,100 pipes. Uh, Music by request, mailbag, and rant, all that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Now, remember, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are in order to listen to this fine show. So if you're not, turn it off and end it right now. Should have said that before, but I didn't. Uh, iTunes ratings and reviews and Spotify ratings are much appreciated. So if you listen on those platforms, please go on there and leave a rating and a review. It doesn't have to be a good one either. You'll hear that coming up. Uh, so we much appreciate that and uh, keep sharing the pipes magazine radio show out to all of your pipe smoking friends Uh, now remember if you're new to the show keep current with the uh, current shows listen all the way to the end because that does help the podcast and subscribe to it Uh, and then go back and get caught up on stuff as we go through uh so yeah, I know there's a lot of episodes, but uh, keep current with the new ones. Go back, get caught up on the old ones as you have time. All right. Again, <laughs> yeah, appreciate those uh, those ratings and reviews. Also, if you have a if you have a comment or a suggestion, maybe a guest you want to hear, music you want to hear, a ask the pipe maker or ask the blender question, you can email those to me, Brian B R I A N at pipesmagazine.com. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. Excuse me, Mr. Collins, but the show is starting. They they need you on stage. Just one minute there, Charlie. I'm placing a bid for this great item on 10bids.com. Ever heard of them? Oh, sure. The Pipe Collector's Auction Site. Well, I just sold some nice things on there myself. Say, you don't see much of that anymore. Yes, you sure don't, Charlie. But 10bids.com sure has it. They have vintage and luxury tobaccos, pipes, accessories, you name it. Tom, baby, we need you on stage. Okay, Ed. Uh, Charlie, take over for me, would you please? You got it, boss. Visit 10bids.com, the Pipe Collector's Auction Site, and sign up for free today. Hey, uh, Mr. Collins, you won! A Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe is the perfect pal. Going fishing, take your corncob pipe and see you back at dark 30. Hunting, your corncob pipe squares, it won't make a pop. Relaxing and reflecting, you add your corncob pipe at relax. 
party time. Your corncob pipe doesn't produce a cool smoke for no reason. Let's just say your Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe gets you. Visit www.corncobpipe.com to get yours today. Missouri Meerschaum Company. Authentically original, authentically you. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, jumbo edition of Pipe Parts. And uh, these are going in order as I receive them. So this goes back to June. And uh, Tim writes, hi, Brian. Love the show and your engagement with the pipe community. I'm in Michigan and have been wanting to make it out to the Chicago show because of, uh, because of schedules. I've never been to a show, but what you said on one of the episodes encouraging new attendees to come up to you and say hi really helped with the feelings of being intimidated with not knowing anyone. Anyway, I'm sending you this email to ask if you've ever considered having guys who run brick and mortars on the podcast, particularly guys who are making a name for themselves as blenders. It's great to continue to hear from John David Cole through your podcast, but I'd also love to hear from guys at other shops like Ernie at Watch City Cigars, John Brandt at Wilkie, and JM from Boswell's, to name a few. I don't know how guys like this get into the business, how they think of blending, running the store, the state of pipe tobacco, etc., but I think uh, it would be really insightful. Uh, So I'll answer those questions real quick. Um, one, we did have John Brand on and I sent him an email with the, uh, with the, the episode there. Uh, I've been turned down by, uh, JM from Boswell's and it's simply because being recorded and doing the social media thing is not his thing. And I've offered his son, Dan to come on and same thing. It's just not their thing. You know, they're just not comfortable with it. Um, Ernie at watch city cigar is a great choice and I will put him on the future list. Uh, the problem is some of these guys also don't want to talk about what their secrets are. So, you know, they, they don't want to give up their uh, their secret components or anything like that. So sometimes the interviews can be a little weird. Uh, we have had some brick and mortars on that have talked about the blending and all that stuff. And, you know, as we get more into it, we will. Uh, then he asks me uh, two more questions, and he says, two questions for you. How did you become a Disney diehard, and what's your favorite watch? <laughs> so as a Disney diehard, again, I grew up, uh, grew up where Disneyland was 45 miles away, and Disneyland was a once or twice a year uh, event for us. And even having a Six Flags park uh, a lot closer to us, I always preferred Disneyland. And then I went to work there. And then after I worked there, well, that kind of cemented it. You know, that just that just kind of locked it in. So I always tell people the difference between uh, well, that in in the '80s, the difference between Disney and all the other uh, all the other parks was Disney also worried about the. Uh, uh, about every detail so if you were in a line the the poles felt different you know they might feel like bamboo if you were in adventure land or stuff like that um favorite watch that's hard to say hard to say um i am a fan of my uh rolex gmt master 2 simply because it's just a great travel watch so thanks for the question and then we're on to uh scott who asks uh brian i have a question i think mike mcneil may be the best to answer if he is keeping up Uh, with wine there are years where the weather and stars align to let the world know it is a great crop 
uh, bound to have fantastic vintages from virtually all makers because the fruit is so good. I presume the same happens with tobacco crops. Is there a resource or a way we mere consumers can hunt down if a year is a good one? Following that, when would that good year actually make it into tins available for retail? More and more we are seeing releases that feature Bosma from 2019, etc. How can I know if anything how can I know if that is anything to be excited about? Uh, you know, and then he goes on to Anyway, he says thanks, and uh, so here's the answer. Um, so the wine industry is heavily regulated, and especially in France, it's heavily controlled by the French government or overseen by the French government. Uh, with tobacco, it's more of a secretive business, and it's so secretive and so quiet that. You know, I know some of the I know some of the tobacco guys, some of the uh, tobacco buyers, and uh, some of the tobacco processors, and they won't talk about it. They won't come on the show. Uh, their their industry knowledge and their connections is their secret. It's what they have. So with crops, because most of it goes to cigarettes, they don't really talk about it. They want the cigarettes to be continuously the same. So imagine that. Uh, imagine that all grapes go into Ernest and Julio Gallo, you know, or cheap wine. And then there's only a very, very, very small percentage that goes into really good wine. Well, it's the opposite, you know, with wine, there's a lot of really good wines too. So it's just a very secretive, very closed network and they just won't talk about it. And then even in the, in the big, in the big pipe tobacco factories, they try to blend multiple years into a blend so they might use a third from one year a third from another and a third from another so that you get blend consistency all the way through it uh when you get into some of the uh into some of the smaller batches some of the stuff that cornell and deal is doing well that's when you get specific grades or specific years of stuff and it's just been sitting around aging so scott i hope that answers your question uh, and then uh, Dr. Watson sent me this back around Christmas, and apparently I missed it somehow. But it uh, it works well with what we were talking about uh, last week or two weeks ago with the STEM. Uh, and he says, uh, uh, while we often use the term horn and antler interchangeably, they are used similarly by the animals that we have them. They are actually derived from different tissues and very different properties that matter to the pipe enthusiast. Horns are head adornments of the family Bovidae, which includes antelope, bison, cows, etc. They're like toenails, are made of modified hair that grows continuously, and they never, and they never shed by the animal. This is why stems made out of this material have the characteristic burned hair smell when rubbed. Antlers are made of bone and are found in the deer family. Uh, early on, they're covered in tissue that supply blood and nutrients for the growing antlers. Hunters also call this, often call this velvet, and once that is shed, the bone that makes up the antler dies from lack of nutrients and drop off. Uh, drop off a few months later to be replaced by a new pair the next year. I've seen antler used as an adornment on pipes and as material for tampers, but I've never seen an entire stem made from this material. 
uh, this long Cliff Clavin-esque email was written simply to say there is a difference between horn and antlers. Santa's reindeers have antlers, while my nice little Rop vintage pipe has horn. <laughs> so thank you very much, Dr. Watson. Yeah, that's greatly appreciated. Uh, and I have nothing to add with that because, I mean, he's got a Ph.D. in this stuff. And then uh, finally, Matthew writes, a uh, new podcast listener here, newish pipe smoker, learning the ropes, love your content, just wanted to drop you a message with two questions, recommendations. One, can you, re can you recommend a good beginner non-filter pipe? I have about five, six millimeter filter pipes, all Rossi, and I would like to try out a non-filter pipe, but have no clue where to start. Can you recommend a pipe in the Rossi quality range for my first non-filtered pipe? So, yes, I can. And if you look at the uh, lower end pricing of Savinelli and look at the lower end pricing of Peterson, and not just because they advertise here, but because in their price range, they make the best stuff on the market, in my opinion. So the $75 to $100 range, uh, pick one out. I used to always suggest to people to start off with a Donegal Rocky you know, just a great uh, non-filtered, uh, no P-lip, just a traditional stem. All right. So those are my suggestions. And then he says, two, my pipes get really hot when I smoke them. I try to smoke as slow as possible. I lay out a pinch of tobacco on the counter for an hour or more before smoking to dry them out a bit. Just wondering how to keep my pipe cooler and how to and how to know how long to dry the tobacco out of the tin or mason jar before smoking it, if that's even necessary. Thanks, Matt. All right, Matt, so here's what I do. I dry my tobacco down to the point where if I squeeze it, it's just about crunchy, okay? I want a little bit of moisture left in there. That's where I like it. So you want to dry it down to where it just feels a little crunchy. Uh, the other thing with smoking too hot is if you pack the bowl too tight, your tobacco can get too hot because you've got a dense, you know, you've got a dense thickness and you're puffing on it to really get smoke through it. Uh, the other thing is if you pack it too loose, you've got too much air in there and it'll burn a little faster and it'll burn hotter. So uh, besides slowing down your puffing, and slowing down the amount of puff or the volume of puffing. So puff, make, uh, you know, little or smaller puffs. Uh, let the, uh, let, you know, try packing it differently. Try packing it much. If you're, if you're too tight, go looser. If you're too loose, go a little tighter. All right. And then it's not a bad thing. Let me repeat this. It's not a bad thing to puff on the pipe for five minutes and then set it down for 20 or 30 minutes and come back and tamp and light and use a pipe cleaner and do all that stuff. It's not a bad thing. It's perfectly fine. Okay. Hope that answers your questions. Again, uh, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. And in just a moment, my conversation with Michael DiCuccio. This is Internet Radio. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe, just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes, and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite, 
or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm, smoking pipes in faithful service of the hobby. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us is a pipe smoker, collector, somebody I I, I was trying to figure out. It's got to be 20 years was the first time we met, but uh, now the... Um, I don't even know what to call you at Tin Bids. What are you? The you, you the Grand Poobah head head director, chief IT officer, and uh, and stamp licker for TinBids.com? You got it. Yeah. El Presidente. So Michael DeCuccio, welcome to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. Thank you so much for inviting me on. All right. Very so- much appreciated. So it has to be a, I, I have a feeling it's an NASPC show that we first met, which I go back to probably 2001 <laughs> going to them. So is that about when we first met? I think so. Yeah, that sounds right. I think it's been that long. Yeah. Cause, cause you're a, you're a native of the Columbus, Ohio area. I am indeed. So I don't have born to- and raised. Yeah, I don't have to ask you where you grew up, but I do have to ask you. Um, you're no, you and I are no longer the young guys running around the pipe show. Uh, <laughs> That's for sure. But how old were you when you started smoking a pipe? Uh, I picked up. I was uh, I was in college. I was at Ohio State, and I just finished classes one uh, early afternoon. And instead of going home, my car automatically inexplicably veered itself towards the uh shopping mall over there at the lane avenue where uh barclay pipe and tobacco is and uh something just clicked in my brain that day and i walked in there and uh started rummaging through the basket pipes and sticking my nose on all the uh counter blends (laughs) and uh found a combo that I liked and uh, took that home with me. That was also a very, uh, it was the day I met the man who would later become my very, very dear friend and uh, mentor, uh, Mick Ratliff, who was later became the owner of the place. Yeah. And uh, the man had uh, the patience of a saint because I just could not stop with the questions. I just became obsessed with it almost immediately. And uh, he, 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 taught me the ropes and and uh that was pretty much it from there on out i was hooked i was just i just just fell in love with it so we so we know this was modern era because you said you drove your car there uh (laughs) exactly but (laughs) uh, uh, what year are we talking about approximately so i'm thinking this is 80 87 i guess it would be yeah all right yeah yeah and and growing up in Columbus, I mean, what a you know what a benefit to you to have Barclay Tobacco there. The mm-hmm. Smokers Havens were there. Uh, oh yeah, Tinderbox. There was a couple of really good Tinderboxes in the area. There were. We had uh, memory serve. We had three. Um, I only really went to two of them because the third one was way on the. East side, I was more of a centralized guy, so that was a hike. 
but um yeah they had had really good really good tinder box there and um what was the other one that we had that was uh actually not too far from where the columbus show was uh, uh camelot that's what it was called and that was a really nice uh tobacco shop too actually we had four tinder box i, I stand corrected wow. there was one in worthington also yeah, I remember going there, and of course, you you know, I'd start out my sales trips, and you know, with going to Pipes and Pleasures and seeing Steve and Roswitha, and, mm-hmm. and then work my way up to Smoker's Haven and see uh, Premel and his dad, and then end up at Barclay, and then go over to the, the two tinder boxes that were kind of on the north side still at that point, and just thinking. Columbus, Ohio, of all places, has so many great pipe shops. What is going on here? But- yeah, no, they're phenomenal. And in fact, my dad's law partner used to, when I was a little kid, and had to get, you know, whether it was a snow day or whatever in school. And uh, I got stuck at my dad's uh, law firm. His partner would drag me to the uh, tinderbox. I'm, I'm sorry, the uh, Smoker Saving there on uh, Gay Street, the, the original one. And I, I really loved going in there. I mean, everyone was so nice and the pipes were cool. And, you know, of course, I, I loved my dad's uh, law partner. He was just a great guy, but he was a, he was a big pipe smoker. And I, I just I just liked that whole culture. I just thought that was really, really the place to be. Yeah. Just uh, so anyway. So, yeah, you had a I mean, you had just a ton of options when it came to getting started smoking a pipe and where to go and what to try yeah. and. <clears throat> Yeah, and and all the stores seem to get along with all the other stores. I didn't know of any rivalries in town, so I, mean, yeah. I sure didn't uh, detect any if there were. <laughs> no. Nope. Um. So, uh, so you started smoking a pipe in college, and automatically it just took off, and that was it. You were done. You were you were a pipe smoker for the rest of your life. Yep, that's pretty much uh, that's pretty much how it went down. You know, the the first pipe, I was, I was like, all right, now I'm getting the hang of this, so. I'm going to graduate to a slightly better pipe. And so I did that. And I think my first good pipe was a, uh, was a Savinelli Oscar. I think I paid 30 bucks for it. Wow. That was big bucks for a, a college kid with no loot. So, um, but that was, that was, I still have it. It's a nice pipe. And, uh, yeah, I just went from there. And then that's when I started dabbling in uh, different blends, and uh, that really set off a whole uh, the whole thing for me. Where <clears throat> I actually started cellaring my tobacco that long ago, actually, um, <laughs> shortly after Sobrani became unavailable, because I really loved that uh, Virginia Flake that they had. You remember that one in the green and white tin? Yeah, I only, um, I only ever in the. I only ever saw that as an expensive used to be blend. Yeah, that yeah. was a, they. Um, they had that at Barclay. Um, I like the uh, the Virginia the number ten and the, you know the uh, and the, the the cigar leaf. That was another favorite of mine. But when those when those were gone, then you know I just um, said, "Oh, maybe, maybe it's time to maybe it's time to start squirreling some of this stuff away for a rainy day." And, uh, that's pretty much the, that was the beginning of how I built my, my cellar. So it goes back that far. Uh, and I still have a lot of those tins from, from, from back then too. When was your first NASPC show? Oh, good question. Was that maybe around 90, 
95 or 96 ish. They had the big show, of course, in the summer. And then they used to do that get together in, uh, in February too. It was usually at a pool hall somewhere. Um, they stopped doing that one, but, um, yeah, it was, it was probably in the mid, mid nineties. So you knew Bill Unger and you got to know all <laughs> oh, the Oh yeah, very well. Yeah. yeah. Bill was a great guy. He, and, uh, well, and he actually would moonlight at uh, Barclay from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't. You would have to sit there and listen to some uh, lectures and uh, sit down there and smoke a pipe with him. But that was all right. Everybody loved him. Uh, and he probably just worked there, so he got the discount. <laughs> that's my that's my thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, oh, so I, I, I'm so jealous of you. And then, of course, you were, you were also at the NASPC show when it moved to the Ramada, and that hotel had some interesting events that coincided with the pipe show, too. So It, it certainly did. Yeah, that was a uh, – <laughs> the venue actually wasn't, wasn't too bad once you got inside. It was, it was navigating to the venue that was always a, a <laughs> Mr. Toad's wild ride. But um, Yeah. But that it was that wasn't a bad uh, show. My my favorite venue that we um, ever had was the uh, Holiday Inn on campus. Let's use campus there on Lane Avenue. That was that was awesome. I mean, we, they had the room hopping and you could smoke everywhere. And uh, the room was big. The ballroom was huge and um, packed. Always yeah. packed and just had some of the some of the best stuff you could find out uh, over there at those shows. That was late nineties. And, um, that, that was a good time. Uh, uh, how did your pipe collecting, did it kind of turn towards one brand or multiple brands or how did you, you know, which way did you end up going? Cause I know you also have some, you have some fairly nice pipes too. I do. Yeah. Thank you. I have, uh, I don't know. I get, I get into these, um, I get into these singular modes, I guess is the best way to describe them. So, um, you know, like in the late 90s, uh, for example, I stumbled upon Sassini, and you could grab, n- nobody was really wanting them back then, so I would get, uh, you know, go to a show or something, and I knew a couple of guys that had some Sassinis, but you could find them for, you know, under 50 bucks, and these are phenomenal pipes. I mean, these are, you know, Dunhill grade, yeah. and and uh, so I went berserk with uh, Sassini for a few years, my Sassini collection is actually pretty, it's pretty robust. I, I have a nice assortment there, um, including an extremely rare one. Um, all the years, what is, what are we talking now? 36 years, I suppose, of collecting. I've only seen the one that I own, and that's the um, Templar, the one with the blue bar, as oh. opposed to the dots. Um, and it's just a, a small, maybe a group four billiard but it's a beautiful pipe and um i I just haven't seen i've never seen another one so i'm glad i grabbed it when i did all right we're going to take a break right here when we come back we'll talk more about pipes and tobaccos and golfing and then we'll talk a little bit about tin bids with michael so stay with us we'll be back in just a minute Since its beginnings in 1876, Savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory. It's become a lifestyle. From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, 
to expanding their catalog each year with new innovative series. Savinelli produces high quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. With a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas, Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with uh, with the everything do all for tinbids.com, Michael DiCuccio of Columbus, Ohio, and all that stuff. All right. Um, you also <laughs> you also apparently like golfing. And the reason I know that is because I'm craning my neck and I can see a golf bag tag from Walt Disney World that you gave me that... <laughs> is yes probably back, from back. the from the 1980s i'm guessing or early 90s and then also somewhere and i think my daughter absconded with them but you also gave me a set of disney ball markers and i think my daughter's got them hidden somewhere but <laughs> so, so i'm guessing you play a little bit of golf well i used to i uh I, I, I kind of got into that Caddyshack uh, brain where I just I just got too, <laughs> too a little too intense with it, and it was just kind of <laughs> ruining the fun. And I was uh, I specialized in uh, slicing the uh, balls into the parking lot, so I said that mm. that's that's it. I got to take a break here. But uh, yeah, back in the um, <clears throat> back in the eighties, I was a, I was pretty fanatical about golfing. Short game was always just dreadful, but. Uh, I could I could cream it off the tee, uh, so that was my strength. But uh, keep me away from a putter; it was just worthless. <laughs> well, well, we we appreciate the Disney stuff around here, so I just had. Well, to... oh yeah, well Disney was our that was our spring break thing. A lot of I know you're obviously your very fond memories for you is uh, in, in my uh, I know my sister and I when we were kids. At, I mean, we used to go there for our, our spring breaks. So that was always the highlight of the year. Yeah, it trumped Christmas by by far. <laughs> yeah, I yeah I can I can understand that. Um, so in in between college and uh, and then you had a real life and a real career because you you weren't in the pipe and tobacco world, right? No, I am my uh, by trade. I am uh, what's what's known as a computer geek. <laughs> so I have an IT company and I've uh, been doing that for. Quite some time, uh, I guess professionally, almost almost forty years. Uh, but uh, so that's that's what I occupy most of my day with. Of course, uh, Tin Bids is is uh, really doing pretty well, and I'm very grateful for that. So it's it's become a kind of a second full time job at this point. <laughs> so, so was was Tin Bids was creating Tin Bids was it a way for for you to start selling off some of your own stuff? that's that's my wife's plan for it absolutely but uh no that was that was not the uh that was not the motivation i um i you know i was uh you know part of my daily routine uh back in the you know not too long ago before i did 10 bits was getting online and and just searching for uh you know latest acquisition that i could add to the collection and um, eBay was a really great source for that. You can find neat stuff from all over the world. And, uh, you know, one day I logged on and 
all my watch list is history. And I'm going, whoa, 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 wait, wait, what's going on here? Then, of course, uh, you know, find out that uh, the uh, FDA had released these new regulations. And I uh, contacted eBay after I learned this and just wanted to hear what their thoughts were. And they confirmed that they just stopped permitting tobacco products on their site because of that. They just yeah. they just weren't interested in doing it. And, well, that just kind of made me cranky. So scratching <laughs> my head, I thought maybe I should do this then if, if nobody else is going to do it. And that's kind of how it started. Uh, and all right, so being an IT guy, I gotta ask. I, I gotta ask you: Were you smoking your pipe all day long while you were hanging over a keyboard of stuff? Uh, <laughs> no, no, I would, uh, I, I would, uh, you know, I would save that for the uh, mostly outdoors or my special little uh, man cave area. But uh, yeah, on duty, I would have to, uh, I would have to let it sit there in the ashtray. But, uh, but uh, I definitely. Uh, took advantage of it when i could though <laughs> so so pipe smoking never became a uh, a all day long thing for you it always stayed as kind of the the evening reward oh oh yeah i i'm for me it's i, I just want to relax when i get a pipe going i want to just relax and uh sit around and think you know do or just chill out whatever um if i'm if i'm like on a tear and i just need to put something in my mouth, I'll fire up a cigar or something like that. But, uh, the pipe is something special to me. So I just, I want, want, want nice alone time from, with that. Uh, nobody's listening and I don't think you and your wife won't listen. So. <laughs> uh, how, how big is your personal pipe collection now? Well, before you judge me, yeah. Remember uh, this is 30 plus years. Yeah. Um, yeah. This I is... honestly don't know how many pipes I have. It's over a thousand. Yeah. Uh, Probably in the twelve, thirteen hundred um, range. Uh, but my tobacco seller is what I'm really uh, proud of. That's what uh, that's what gives me my happiness. Uh, that's my happy spot. And that's also you know that old. So quite a quite a few uh, quite a few tins there. Uh, the reason I the, the reason I say that because I think for some reason I remember you famously not really liking to sell pipes, but you do like to buy pipes. That's true. Yeah. Very very true. Yeah. Somehow they just keep uh, finding their way into my. Uh, I, I call my man cave my speakeasy, uh, <laughs> is what I refer to it as, and uh, that's where they just uh, that's where they live. Well, that goes with your Italian heritage, you know, having a speakeasy. And once, you know, once a pipe becomes part of the family, hey, you know, you don't go, you don't leave the family, you know. You got that right. <laughs> Can't do it. Uh, are there any tobaccos that you're, any vintage tobaccos that you're, like, actively looking for and seeking? And, you know, you, if you see them go up on yeah. 10 bids, you're like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. There's been uh, I've seen a few beauties come across the site, and of course I want to just pounce on it. And uh, I have had to show some restraint, um, you know, because running a running a site like an auction site um, is not like a just a standard e-com site. There's a couple more mo moving parts, so it you know it's a uh, it's a little more uh, involved, both from a in, you know development and a, uh, financial standpoint. So 
Um, I have grabbed a couple, but um, uh, I've tried to behave myself. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know how long that's going to last, to be honest with you. You, you. you don't have a way of, like, <laughs> magically speeding up that uh, that auction time. <laughs> <and run. laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I've told the story before about how at Smoking Pipes, when I worked there, we had a policy where you couldn't buy a pipe unless it had been up on the website for two weeks. And, you know, you, you couldn't buy a pipe and get your employee discount and, until it had uh-huh. been up for 14 days. <laughs> and... I often wondered if there wasn't a way to speed up that clock sometimes. Um, right, right. You know, but you know, of course, we didn't. You know, we didn't do that. Uh, do you, with the size of your tobacco cellar, uh, two questions. One: Are you going to live long enough to smoke it all, Uncle Michael? Um, and uh, and question number two: uh, Do you want to share some of those blends that you're looking for? Because maybe some of our folks will uh, put them up on tin bids for you. Yes, uh, boy, wouldn't that be nice? Um, the answer to number one, uh, no, I, I will not. Um, there's, there's no, there's no way. Um, and and number two, yeah, I, uh, I really, really love, and I don't want to ruin the because I, I know you're going to ask me later. Um, but you know, Dunhill. Um, 221B Baker Street was one of my, not the reissue, the original. Yeah. Um, the reissue is fine. It's a fine blend on its own, but it bears little resemblance to the original. And um, that's, if I, if I saw a 10 of that stuff, I would, I would pounce on it. Well, absolutely. I, I still have a few, but, and I have some of the old Dunhill blends that are hard, you know, like Gold Blend, which was a nice mild aromatic mostly Virginia, it was, you know, stuff like that. Those are, those are some of my old, old time favorites. Uh, no change. No, you know, you won't find me going after the two twenty one B cause it's got that nasty Latakia stuff in it. So. <clears throat> I, I don't know what's in it, but, uh, if you smoke it, I do know this, if you smoke it quickly, uh, you start seeing kaleidoscopes very fast and, uh, you start hearing the uh, Jimi Hendrix, but <laughs> it, it'll, it, it'll knock you out quickly. But, uh, I, I, I do like the uh, I do like the flavor and the aroma. So you're saying Alfred was blending that to go along with the Jimi Hendrix experience? That's that's my theory. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm with it. <laughs> all, right, all right. So ten bids. You, so you saw the spot in the market where there was, you know, e- eBay said bye bye. <clears throat> um, right. I mean, there had to be some legal hurdles and stuff that you had to figure out and climb over, and you couldn't do that in a week or two. So. Yeah. Oh no! What what was all Tim that like? Took, yeah, it was it was kind of um, it was an interesting adventure to say the least. Um, you know, the whole thing started with um, started with a you know like you start any other uh, enterprise. Uh, drafted up a you know, business plan. It was pretty comprehensive, and uh, you know I just wanted to see if this was doable. Um, you know, financially. That made sense. And then once I resolved that, I contacted my attorney's office, said, I'm, I'm coming in. I got something to show you. Showed them the prospectus and, and uh, gave them the sales pitch. And then they went to work and their initial review took four or five months. I mean, it <laughs> certainly wasn't anything that was going to happen uh, overnight, as you say. Um, there were some, there were some hurdles, of course, and there were some, you know, watch out for this, watch out for that. 
but uh, in the end, their final analysis was go for it. Uh, there's nothing, there's nothing to the, you know to prevent you from doing this. Uh, barring those things, we just have to we'll work them out. So after that came the um, I had to go hunt for developers, somebody who could build a website like this from scratch. Um, of course, I didn't know that at the time. I was thinking, well, we could just use a template and uh, everything will be just fine and we'll get it done. In fact, the first de- developer I uh, hired, you know, said he could get it done in three or four months. Six <laughs> months rolls by and the guy had a nervous breakdown and just bailed on the project. <clears throat> and uh, the site just it wasn't working at all uh, but on any level. So in comes developer number two. They took a whack at it for a few months, and they threw in the towel. And uh, I wasn't really getting discouraged as much as I was getting irritated because, <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I build networks all day. So I'm thinking, all right, time out here. I mean, if, if eBay and, you know, Gunbroker, Poshmark, places like this can, uh, you know, have their sites operational, then, you know, what am I missing here? Yeah. So, um here comes developer number three and this company was really good and they were a solid team and they're the ones who actually got the base site put together uh the one that we actually launched with and uh they did it they did a really good job um unfortunately we lost some of our lead developers and they were struggling to support us um which Leads brings us to developers <laughs> number, number four. four. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we were real, real glad that we found that the current team that's uh, supporting us um, has have uh, they brought the site to where it is today. So and they've they've been just a solid uh, partner for us for the past year, really. So how many years was it between your first idea and walking into the lawyer's office and then them billing you for four months worth of, of hours to the day the site went live? Uh, all nearly six years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Six years. (laughs) And I probably would still be, uh, monkeying around with it. Had I not just by chance come across this, um, Guy was a heavy hitter. I can't name names, but he's uh, you know in Manhattan, and uh, he uh, we talked, and he had a lot of really good advice. And of course, he's you know for him, you know he's he's dealing with you know multi million billion dollar deals even. Um, but as luck would have it, he's a uh, he was a big cigar guy, so he loves the whole luxury tobacco world anyway. And he loved the site, and he loved the idea, and he basically just grabbed me and said, "No." I'm giving you a launch date. I don't, you know, I kept saying, well, the site's not ready yet. We still have this. And they said, BS, you're launching. And because you're never going to find it. And he's right. And I knew this, you know, intuitively as a tech guy that, you know, you're never going to shake out in the system completely without people using it. But I was just nervous. I just wanted it to be right. And, um, but we launched and he gave us a date. He said, you're launching February 1st, 2022. That's it. And so we did. And, here we are. I mean, it was a rough, uh, you know, the first few months were kind of interesting, but you know, we got the, we got the leaks plugged up pretty nicely, I think. All right. And because I know you're dealing with the consumer and buyers and stuff like that, you had to have, you've, you've got to have at least one or two really funny stories from emails or messages that you've got. 
well, you know, it, uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and in the, uh, one of the thing I, things I love about, uh, the pipe studs website is his funniest emails. I think that's just hilarious. What yeah. Steve does with those. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> we have some of those ourselves. Um, nothing I care to publish because <laughs> some of them are downright nasty, but, um, in the beginning and, you know, when these, it, what's interesting is overseas buyers seem to have sniffed out the site uh, earlier than domestic uh, uh, users did. And they were just bidding crazy amounts on this stuff. And I'm scratching my head saying, is this for real? Uh, you know, so I, I, you know I, I was hoping the site would take off and, you know, people would get into a nice, you know, friendly bidding environment. That was the whole point of the site. <laughs> but some of these prices were really getting up there and i was just kind of questioning it myself at at, at first and uh, we were getting some emails that were just absolutely off the <laughs> uh you know off the rail you know how dare you do this you know we're gonna bust out your windows in your office and we're gonna hunt you down this is, hey take it easy pal you know you're not gonna want to bust out the windows of my office we're in a secure building the uh, secret service will take care of you real fast but <laughs> Um, but we, <laughs> we had, uh, we had, a, we had quite a few of those. So, um, fortunately those have, uh, pretty much dissipated. And, uh, you know, I think the free market, so to speak, has just kind of taken, taken hold here. So were those, were those regular people that were upset with the high prices that the foreign buyers were bidding on? Yeah, yeah. I, I, that, that's, that was exactly it. And, yeah. you know, they were just saying, you know, that, well, this is, you know, you know, at first they were thinking that we were the ones. I don't think they understood that it was an auction site. Right. I think they were, at first, the perception was that we were pushing these products at these prices. And, you know, some people, after we explained it to them, said, oh, okay, got it. It's like eBay. Said, exactly. You know, if you want to pay $100,000 <laughs> for a, you know, 19, you know, 59 Thunderbird. Well, and that's your business. But, um, so I think once they got that figured out, um, then, you know, uh, things started to calm down a little bit. (laughs) All I, all I got to say is I, you know, I don't understand any of the uh, tech, the tech side of this, but six years in development and then you get people yelling at you, um, that, (laughs) that that had to seem (laughs) right. wasn't the reaction I was hoping for, but uh, this, um, this actually we were at the at the uh, NASPIC show just uh, a few weeks ago, as you and I speak today, yeah. and uh, w- we had just such a great time, and we had so many of our uh, users just come up to the table and uh, you know give us just showers with uh, compliments and praise. We were just so grateful for that. It's very humbling, and uh, everybody's just uh, you know they're enjoying it and. And that was the whole point. I mean, it just it wanted it to be fun. I mean, it wasn't supposed to be anything, you know, uh, nefarious or anything. Of course, it was just we just wanted to have a little, you know, virtual pipe show, if you will. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, you got told to be very flexible and do something to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, I got told that three times at the Disney store when I worked there. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. So anyway, uh, Michael, we'll wrap this up on the fast five with the fast five final questions. No right answer. No wrong answer. Just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? I am ready. You've only got 1100 or 1200 of them, but what's your favorite pipe? 
I think my favorite <laughs> pipe would be, it's got to be Old Fred. Uh, Old Fred is a 1950, mid-1950s was, uh It was previously unsmoked until it came into my hands. And I call it Old Fred for, named after Fred McMurray, because every time I see it, it reminds me of Fred McMurray and my three sons. He always had that billiard, <laughs> and that's what yeah. it kind of reminds me of. And this pipe is just fantastic. I mean, it just, I mean, sweet, sweet, sweet smoking and dry as a bone always. doesn't matter what I, you know, how I'm, how I'm smoking it. It's just, it's just a great piece. So I, uh, I love that one. So that's, that's got to be my, that's got to be my favorite. Please tell me you don't have names for all your pipes. I do not. Okay. All right, good. <laughs> just, just Fred. Okay, all right. Um, what's your favorite Dunhill 221B tobacco? Uh, that's it. Yep. Okay. You got it. Uh, my <laughs> run, my my run to my daily is uh, probably got with uh, full Virginia flake um, in the Navy flakes a lot lately. But uh, yeah, by far, if I you know the Dunhill 221B is my my all-time favorite, I think. See, my short-term memory's not going yet. Uh, no, not. <laughs> what's your favorite drink? Uh, I'm kind of a Scotch guy. I like Scotch. I'm really into the uh, the Japanese varieties these days. They they do just such a fantastic job with them. They're we're really good. If you haven't tried, I highly recommend. Uh. So I like. That's what I'm into. And when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a muse, a book, a movie, music, or developing another little website? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, mm. When I uh, when I chill out with a pipe, it's always music. Or um, I like old radio shows. I one of my many hobbies back. I don't do it much anymore. Was restoring uh, vintage and antique radios. So I have this gorgeous nineteen uh, forty Philco console radio. Uh. Just needed a few capacitors and some tubes, and she was good to go. And so I hooked my iPod up to it. And, uh, man, when you listen to Glenn Miller or, or Frank Sinatra, Ozzy and Harriet, you know, uh, Burns and Allen, through, that, through those old electronics, it's, uh, it's, it's cool. Archive.org, I believe, still has a whole bunch of that stuff. Uh, yeah, there's so many out. There's yeah. so many sites out there, but uh, that is a good one, too. Yeah. Uh, the early episodes of the Pipes Magazine radio show sounded like they were played on one of those old speakers, but that was just because we had a bad microphone. Right. You, you get the you get the little heterodyne in the background, a little squeal and everything, sure. Yeah. And then finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory in all these years? Uh, quite a few. Um, I suppose the one that always puts a smile on my face when it pops into my head was... Uh, in uh, I was in, uh, in Chicago at the Chicago show. This was twenty plus years ago. Uh, they were at a really cool venue, and I can't remember the name for the life of me. Indian Thunderbird, something. Indian Lake. Thank you. That's yeah. exactly what it was. It was. Thank you. It was round geodesic domes attached to each other. Everything was round. There was not a straight line in the whole place. Yeah, and it had this Fred Flintstone uh, bar in the middle of the uh, joint there. Uh, where I first was cool. I, I first met Bill Taylor there because we opened the bar together at 11 a.m. <laughs> well, uh, I'm gonna. That's funny you say that because that's part of the story. Because oh. I was, uh, <laughs> I had my favorite Ashton pipe, which is absolutely gorgeous. It's an octagonal billiard, smooth rim, uh, alternating sandblast and smooth bird's eye 
flame grain, cross grain, you know, rings, <laughs> blast. I mean, everything's going on this pipe. It's just gorgeous. So I'm walking around the floor, just minding my own business, uh, perusing like everybody else. Then I see this hand coming out of the right, um, out of my right periphery, and uh, it grabs the pipe out of my mouth. And I turn around, and it's Bill Taylor. And he uh, he says, "You know, I remember making this one. It's a lovely piece, and I'm glad someone's enjoying it." And <laughs> we just uh, we just hit it off, and just started laughing. And he talked me out of uh, some money, and I took some of his pipes. And uh, later that night, we invited me over to join him. And I think I think Peter Metzold was there. Bill Unger was with us. Uh-huh. And I think we exhausted the gin supply at the uh, hotel. I had a wicked hangover the next day, but <clears throat> we had such a great time. And, I mean, it's one of the things I just love about this hobby. I mean, you got a bunch of people from all over, you know, different parts of the world you never would have met in a million years otherwise. And uh, yeah. but here we were having having a great time. So I guess that's my uh, uh. <laughs> that's my favorite uh, memory there. That yeah, that wins. <laughs> All right, uh, bids dot com. Michael, thank you for supporting. Yeah, thanks for creating the website, supporting the the podcast for almost oh, a year now or something like that, and for supporting the pipe shows. And you know, uh, can't wait to can't wait to see what you do at the website as it continues to grow. Yeah, well, thank you very much for uh, for having me on, and and uh, I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure always to speak with you, my friend, and. And I'll see you in Vegas. Yeah, I guess I got to show up. So, yeah, you'll see me. better. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll be back in just a minute. Hi, I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and Deal. We know pipe smoking is a personal journey. That's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step, preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each tin. Each product, from special releases like our small batch line to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening, are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell and Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, like you, value the journey. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And, uh, yeah, if you're not registered for 10 bids already, go there, do that. Support Michael and what he's doing. All right, for music. Uh got this email from james and james said hello brian it was nice to meet you and talk for a few in columbus this year i've been smoking a pipe off and on for 20 years but daily for about a year and a half now mutton chop introduced me to the world of not captain black and dr graybo Uh, in fact mutton chop was there and uh, helped me to stop air frying my tongue and when i found your podcast i was hooked For someone with pretty bad anxiety, finding a world of people with older values in this community, regardless of age, was an eye-opener. I live many hours from where I grew up, so have no friends and don't know a single pipe smoker. I drive a truck locally nights, and it's a joy to turn on and listen to a few episodes of your podcast almost nightly for about a year. 
Uh, with no local brick and mortars, your podcast is both my pipe club and my source of community information. I'm not sure what I'm going to do when I run out of back episodes in the next couple of weeks, but it's been a joy doing a deep dive on recent history of pipe smoking with your back episodes. I wish you many more years of success and thank you for the work you put into this. I do have a music recommendation though, uh, though I don't know if it's ever been a, if he's ever been a pipe smoker, the man is talented and maybe others in the community would like the music of Holocene by Bon Iver is a great tune to relax and have a pipe with. And the video scene on YouTube is quite unique and very cool. Keep up the great work, James. Uh, James, I'll keep them coming and you can always go back and re-listen to old ones. Uh, or you can, you know, there's other great pipe podcasts out there too. So don't, don't forget them. Uh, but here is the song Holocene by Bon Iver. Oh, 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 
Christmas night across the line The hollow bright song is Holocene, H-O-L-O-C-E-N-A by the group Bon, B-O-N, second word, Ever, I-V-E-R. Check them out. Go, actually, yeah, do go watch the video on YouTube. Master, I have mail for you. And as this is a pre-recorded mailbag, uh, there won't be any comments on last week's show, but I will remind you that if you have a comment, question, suggestion, concern, email it to me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at pipesmagazine.com. If you're interested in anything about the Vegas Pipe Show, go to the Las Vegas International Pipe Show. Go to vegaspipeshow.com. Uh, go to pipesmagazine.com and check out the Pipe Show tab, and you will see all the shows that are coming up and uh, maybe some that you missed as well. So go check those out. Uh, we'd love to see you at a Pipe Show. All right, going way back in the, uh, going way back in the history, uh, this came almost a year ago, and it's from Charlie in Arizona. And Charlie said, uh, Brian, I ran across Joe Jackson's writings from a friend that told me about him. I always loved his music, but never really read any of his opinions. His thoughts on smoking were written quite a while back, very astute and very well written. It would be really cool if you could uh, snare him in an interview. Uh, from his 2003 op-ed piece, Stubbing Out, he's quoted as, I'm a moderate smoker myself. I enjoy a couple of cigarettes or a cigar with a drink. So I'm guessing, so Charlie says, I'm guessing not a pipe smoker, though. But anyway, uh, so the it's a 21-page uh, op-ed, or there's a thing there called uh, joejackson.com slash writings, and it's called Smoke Lies in the Nanny State. So go check that out. Uh, Tad writes, and this goes back to July. Uh, hey, Brian, thanks for the great reply. I'm not sure what I was replying to. Oh, I know what I was replying to. Okay. Um, uh, he said, I enjoyed the interview with John David Cole this week. I always listen to podcasts on my commute, and today was a little longer than normal due to intense fog. 
All of your regulars are wonderful and so happy you've snagged them for recurring spots. I keep missing the Ohio show. It's always around our wedding anniversary. And this year it's complicated by a 20th anniversary reunion of the command I was with during the kickoff of OIF. So maybe next year. Anyway, keep up the great work. Your show is the premier podcast for pipes. The other guys are entertaining and you are too. But for truly informative content, you're hard to beat. Thanks for doing what you do. I'll stop rambling here, Tad. Okay. Thanks, Tad. Uh, and then Rich Ireland wrote this one, and this one's titled Episode 1. <laughs> Brian, this message is 11 years late, and I just got it uh, 10 days ago. Uh, no, a day ago. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed a bowl tonight while listening to Episode 1 of your excellent podcast. I highly recommend any current listener to go back to the fundamentals and find out a little bit about the life of Brian. For me, this further enhanced my enjoyment and appreciate what kind of great bona fide content you, that you deliver. Thanks, Rich. Um, yeah, so maybe maybe we ought to redo episode one because that was a while back. Um, anyway, we could do that. It's all still there. And boy, is that show recorded poorly. And on iTunes, and we're not afraid of anything on iTunes, uh, got two from the month of August, and the first one is five stars. It's written by AITA Papa, and it says enjoyable, five stars. Always good to hear, even for occasional smokers. Thank you. You are very welcome. And Almost Perfect writes, two stars, Exodus First Timer. Uh, no, his name is Exodus First Timer. says, almost perfect, two stars. Brian does a wonderful job with the show, balancing humor and knowledge of pipes and tobacco. He has great rapport with the guests, which makes the show fluid and engaging. My one criticism is that some of the sound effects for the transitions are quite screechy and shocking to the ears. I know they've been there from the beginning, but sometimes nostalgia isn't a good enough reason to keep things. If you don't change them, I hope that you can at least turn them down the volume a bit at those transitions. Uh, that's from Exodus First Timer. Uh, you know, I appreciate all feedback and comments. You are the second person that has complained about those. Those are actually mastered at 12% uh, lower volume than everything else. So... Sorry, they bother you. Again, uh, iTunes ratings and reviews, much appreciated. Even if they're two stars and honest, we'll take them. We're not afraid of them. All right, in just a moment, rant time. For over 150 years, Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike, and our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning, to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Mielefolge, 100,000 welcomes. Wherever you come from, whosoever you be. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn. 
or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Keeping with the somewhat philosophical bent from last week, I just want to say we are wrapping up our 11th year of shows right now. Yeah, 11 years, plus or minus a day. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons why this show, and look at the length of this episode, one of the reasons this show is getting longer, and and I try to keep them on right around an hour, but... Uh, one of the reasons is, is because the people in the pipe community are so interesting. We are all interesting, we are all unique, and we are just a super diverse group of people that, you know, who would have thought that after 574 episodes of this show, I'd still be finding interesting unique people with slightly different stories uh who knew that you know you'd have to name one of your pipes but you do uh the people in this hobby are all naturally more interesting than people that are not in this hobby to me uh one of the reasons why i didn't like the cigar side of the business was because i found those people to be you know less on average i don't want to you know i don't want to throw everybody under the bus but in my opinion which i'm the leading expert on they're just less interesting and this is such a great hobby full of such wonderful people the diversity in the hobby the different backgrounds the different points of view and just a unique group of people and that's why we're able to keep this show going it's not because of some pipe information or you know a new detail it's because of the different and unique and wonderful people in the hobby so you know, instead of uh, instead of ranting about something, just think about that. Think about how many people you've got to meet through either through this podcast or your pipe club or going to a pipe show. Yeah, just all fascinating people. Um, well, there's a few of them I don't want to sit at a dinner table with, but, you know, that's 25 plus years of being in the hobby and in the industry. And there's only five or six that I don't want to be at a dinner table with. So there you go. All right. Comments, questions, email me, Brian at pipesmagazine.com. Uh, Vegas Pipe Show, or Las Vegas International Pipe Show at vegaspipeshow.com. iTunes ratings and reviews, two or three stars or five. Doesn't matter. Much appreciate those. Uh, thank you to Michael for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny weather happy trails to you till we meet
screechy sounds. You've never been around Jewish grandmothers. <laughs> 